Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my fiance Carol. How you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much? It's been a good week here. It's October twenty third, nineteen ninety eight. Happy birthday to my friend Mike. Happy birthday, Mike. Mike, it's your birthday. Woo woo. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna give you a check for a million dollars, and then you can give it back to me on my birthday. <laughs> Call it even. Hey, you know what's awesome? Mm, Halloween. My voice is back. Yes. Very excited. Oh, your voice is back again. It's been like weeks. Yeah. I feel like anyway. Maybe it hasn't. I don't know. It feels like a long time. Though. It feels like a long time that you haven't been able to use your mouth. That I sounded like to... a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> Thankfully, you don't look like a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, that would not You'd be have problems. cool. No. I'd be being arrested. <laughs> like anybody that dates Dorothy Hamill. Weird. <laughs> You're weird. I am weird. You're right. <laughs> you know what else is weird? The news, Carol. Uh-oh. And I'm not just talking about the impeachment inquiry. Sorry to talk about politics, everybody. We're not going to talk about politics. But there is an impeachment inquiry. <laughs> Ever heard of George Mason? Everyone's talking about him now. You know about George Mason? Tell me about George Mason. High crimes and misdemeanors. He's, he, like, you know, so in the Constitution, like, for the presidency, the standard for impeachment is uh, treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors, which is the most vague sentence in the fucking world. Right. And he's the one responsible for that. Other high crimes and misdemeanors. Like, Mm -hmm. those are not the same category. Yeah. It's like saying it as though a misdemeanor is a high crime, but it's the exact opposite of that. The president stole the candy bar. <laughs> Get him. Impeach. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, that's uh, everyone's talking about that now. Oh, I see you're looking over my shoulder here. I want to <laughs> see what you're going to talk about. You want to glance at the news? I do. Sad characters are disturbingly familiar, Carol. In the movie Happiness, which gets uh, three out of four stars here from the good old Freep. For those of you not in the area, that's what we call the Free Press. Terry Lawson. Uh, most movies that arrive tagged controversial or disturbing turn out to be only vulgar or exploitative. That is not, however, the case with Todd Solon's Happiness. This time, believe what you hear because Happiness is a sex comedy that dares you to feel sexy or to laugh, and that admonishes you when you do. I mean, what kind of person are you anyway? (laughs) Finding out who people are and what they really want and need obviously fascinates uh, Solenz, whose second film, Welcome to the Dollhouse, looked at the world through the thick glasses of a geeky teenage girl. I remember this movie. Solenz himself is a self-styled geek with thick glasses, with happiness, Solens has made it hard on himself oh my. and on us by casting his X-ray specs on some pretty unattractive characters and then suggesting, guess what? They aren't that different from ourselves. Some people will take offense at that alone, but there's plenty else to take offense at in this long two hour and 20 minutes. 
often excruciating film, which was ditched by its original distributor after the company's chairman got the word that one of its characters was a pedophile. Oh, wow. Who wasn't treated as the personification of evil. Have you seen this movie? No. Have you? Yeah, I snuck out and saw What the it. fuck, man? I snuck out and how do you, saw How do you have time to go see any movies without me, you without asshole? You. I saw it with uh, the aforementioned Mike. And, uh, oh, that explains it. It's, um, it, it's something, let me tell you. Hmm. Uh, to the contrary, he's an attentive husband, a super father, and an asset to his community when he isn't molesting his son's friends. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a... Do you want? Are you interested in this? I think this movie would really disturb you. But yeah, I, I don't want to see it. Okay, there's a scene where he's talking to his son. This I think is the epitome of like you'll get an idea of how disgusting this movie is. Right? He's talking to his son. His son's friend has come over. Had came over before. He drugged the kid's milk or whatever, and then molested him. The son's friend that was staying there. Um. The son, like, the, the son's friend figured it out. Like, I got molested or whatever. Um, and so they're coming after him or whatever. He's sitting in his living room, the, the dad, basically waiting for the cops to come. And the son's sitting there. And they're having this conversation. And he's basically, like, saying, like, yeah, I am this way or whatever. Like, I can't help it. Like, I've always been this way. And it's kind of it's like a sad scene or whatever. And the son's like, have you ever done it to me? And he goes, no, no. And he's like, he like strokes his hair or whatever. He's like, no, no, I, you know, I never would or whatever. He's like, I just watch you while you sleep and masturbate. Oh, my God. Yes. To his own son. That's disgusting. The guy, the, the actor that plays the character is a really good actor, too, which his name's Dylan Baker. He's he's not famous or anything, but he's been like in a few things here and there. And he's really good at being, like, fake pleasant and everything, and it's it makes it all the more disturbing. It's really fucking messed up. And there are other things, too. There are other... This is one of those kind of, like, there are five or six different storylines going on, and they all intersect each other with some in some way. Like, his wife's... This child molester's wife, her sister, is, like, they, she is a guy that's, like, obsessed with her, and uh, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And um, he's like, uh, like he calls her up all the time and stuff like that. And he's like, he's kind of stalking her. Um, and so like, that's kind of how those stories intersect. All the stories like intersect in some way. These people are all kind of a, like a, together in a loose group. And the movie is called Happiness? Yeah, it's fucked up. It's a really fucked up movie. Um, uh, though he isn't the most extreme character in Happiness... He is representative of the movie's Seekers of Satisfaction. Uh, Solens sets the tone of this chamber pot piece in a prologue in which we are introduced to Mousy Joy Jordan, played by Jane Addams, who has seemingly successfully just informed her date, John Lovitz, that their relationship has no future. His acceptance, though, turns to rage that Joy takes, uh, that takes Joy and the audience by surprise. He is not the schlub we thought he was. Well, he still is a schlub, but he's not about to be walked on by another one. To Joy, this is another sign that she must change her life. So she quits her job as a telephone solicitor and crosses picket lines to teach English to surly New Jersey immigrants. Interesting. Yeah. So and then there's like it goes on with the kind of the rest of the plot. So here's 
what I would say, and like like I said, Carol hasn't seen the movie, so she probably can't really talk about it. I would recommend the movie. It's limited release, so you're going to have to go to like an art house uh, theater or something like that to see it. It's limited release. Um, I would recommend it, but with the caveat, you have to be okay with like disturbing shit. You have right. to you have to be able to kind of the movie's going to like emotionally hit you. So you have to be able to at least turn down that a little bit to look at what the movie's trying to say logically. You know what I mean? Um cuz I can like there's going to be a lot of people I wouldn't so I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. There's going to be a lot of people that would watch this movie and just like they would just fly into a rage. I know you wouldn't do that, but you would just be like just too disturbed to like mm. want to think about it or talk about it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't enjoy that. It's movie. one. Of, it's one of those. It's one of those kind of movies. So I would give it a recommend, but you know yourself. You know if you you would like this or not. Um, yeah, you know if you like child molester movies, you freaks. Jesus Christ! <laughs> you think I like child molester movies? What the fuck? Well, you didn't exactly say you like it. I thought it was a. I thought it was an effective film. Okay, it's a well written movie. It's very very well acted. Um, I have some. Or this isn't a review of happiness. I have some, which which honestly, uh, so. Happiness, and we watched, if you read the title of the tape, Pleasantville, mm-hmm. which are similar names, and they are about as far apart of movies as you can get. Um, but uh, with there are a few minor gripes I would have with Happiness, but I'm not going to go into it because, like I said, this is not a review of that movie. Right. But what about Brimstone, Carol? What about it? Brimstone is no Buffy, but it's not without thrills. Hmm. Uh, Peter Horton's dead again, but the corpse is walking and talking as a supernatural bounty hunter in the dark comic book thriller Brimstone, the latest of the new fall season, uh, which, uh, you know, debuts. Uh, Black, back when he played dreamy, sensitive college professor Gary Shepard in the Yuppie Chronicles of 30-something... Horton's lover boy alter ego is abruptly killed off in an emotional 1991 episode after a really bad traffic mishap. Squish. Oh, God. Way to take a really fucking, like, emotional, like, moment in that show's history, Mike Duffy, and just be like, yeah, fucking squish to you. (laughs) Now Horton's on assignment from the devil in Brimstone. He's ex-cop Ezekiel Stone, a once prominent homicide detective who was killed in the line of duty 15 years ago, but he wound up in hell because he had avenged his wife's brutal rape by killing her attacker in cold blood. And so Satan repoed his soul. Don't ask. Logic is not part of the Pulp Fiction equation with shows like Brimstone. Anyhow, having been judged to be no better than the vile criminals he used to battle on the mean streets of New York City, Horton's Zeke Stone is doing misery time down under. So you get the idea. He's come back to Earth mm-hmm. as a bounty hunter of the the damned or whatever. I mean, it sounds like an interesting premise. Yeah, we haven't seen Brimstone, but uh, it's, uh, I don't know. What do you think? I wouldn't mind seeing an episode. I don't think we could possibly watch any more shows. But. Well, no, we're not going to fucking do that. But <laughs> it's on uh, it's on Fox. 
did Fox like all of a sudden become like a snake? Fox. Fox. Just one fox. Says. Yeah. Um, oh, I saw a coyote the other day, I didn't tell you. Oh. I was driving up uh, near Farmington. Okay. And uh, I saw a coyote running across the street. I was like, is sense. that a dog? I was like, what is that? No, it's a fucking coyote. Like up norther than we are? Or? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Farmington, yeah. yeah. So like, you know. Yeah, the north. city, not the road. Okay. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. That makes sense, actually. I've seen them out that way before. Yeah, it was near the the shit. Um, woods. Wow. So I'm not going to read this whole article because we're going to talk about the movie Pleasantville. I'm like, looking forward to that. Right now. But uh, Jeff Daniels says Pleasantville is the best movie he's ever made. Wow. What do you Interesting. Think about that? I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't. I not. I haven't fully landed in a spot on how I feel about Pleasantville. Interesting. Alanis Morissette's also coming to concert. Nice. You got a lot of news today. So we saw. Yeah. I. I and I could go on, but I don't want to. Um, so. <laughs> We saw Pleasantville. Carol. Yes. What did you think of Pleasantville? I think the acting was super good. Yes. And the visual effects were amazing. The most, uh, that is the most professional way you could compliment that movie. The acting was super good. (laughs) Fuck you. Um, the story's a little confusing and fucked up. I mean, I... Confusing and fucked up, okay. I I don't know what to make of it. Like, these kids get sucked into a television show that's like, leave it to Beaver. Yeah, yeah, I, it, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably the best. Leave it to Beaver and, like, the Donna Reed show. I think that's probably, those are probably the best, like, parallels to it. Um, I'm not familiar with Donna Reed, so. Oh. Um, and Shelley Fabre got her start on there. Okay. You know Johnny Angel and such, and then later she was Coach's girlfriend on Coach. That's the only thing you said that made sense to me. <laughs> you don't remember the Johnny Angel? I know the song. I love yeah. him. That's Shelley Fabre too. Okay. Yeah, she had a little bit of a music career. Interesting. And an acting career. She was Madonna before Madonna. Okay. <laughs> sure. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so you got you got Andy Griffith, or no, no, the <laughs> the deputy Barney Fife. Who plays him? Don Knotts. Don Knotts. You got Don Knotts. You have Donald Knotts, who's like a psychotic character, and I don't really understand him. Like, I. I did he want what happened to happen? I don't know. It's one of the many, many questions this movie has left me with. Like, he gives them this remote uh-huh. that sucks them into the show, and he's all excited because the boy is, like, a huge fan of the show, and, and sure. he's like, oh, I finally found someone who will, like, really enjoy and, and appreciate this. Yeah. And then all the weird things happen, and he's getting mad at him. But yes. then he seems so happy at the end. Yeah, I don't... So, okay. I have some theories. Okay. I think there are things that the movie doesn't tell us, and we can either make inferences or we can um, 
or or we can just make it up in our own head. I mean, like, y- you can call it whatever you want. Real quick, though, did you recognize the dude from the the uh, the main the main character, the main guy? His name is Tobin Maguire. Tobin Maguire, yeah. Uh, he was in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He was that hitchhiker that they fucking picked up. Oh yeah, I knew like he looked familiar. Crazy and shit. Yeah, yeah. He was, and he, he he's been in a couple other things, but like, um. He was in that movie, uh, the Ice Storm, but we didn't we didn't talk mm-hmm. about it. we didn't talk about it on um, the uh, the thing. But yeah, he's he was in uh, he was in that. Like I recognized him. I was like, who is this Tobin Maguire? And then the girl playing his sister is Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, sounds delicious. <laughs> Interesting. Reese Witherspoon. Does it make you want to eat Reese's with that spoon? Yeah. What do you think? Like. Uh, um, uh, about that name. I don't know. I never really thought about it. Reese Witherspoon. Um, I heard that uh, that actress got assaulted, though, uh, Reese. Oh, is she okay? No, no. I'm just, come on, you were supposed to say Witherspoon, and I was going to say no with a knife. <laughs> You're such a freak. Come on! Like, that would have been hilarious, but we were already talking about her, so, like... Yeah, it does. It doesn't work out. She, um, she was in. Uh, you liked that one movie? She was in uh, the Man in the Moon or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know you like that one. And we saw Fear. She was in that. She was excellent in that. And we did. There was. Uh, there's a movie called Freeway that she's in. Um, I don't think we talked about that on no. the show. And then um, I don't think we we didn't talk about. Overnight delivery either, did we? Nope. Okay. So. Just asking questions, everybody. Relax. <laughs> so back to Pleasantville. Yeah, Pleasantville. We were talking about the, we were talking about the actors. There are other people in here, too. Joan Allen's in here. That's who, the dad? That's No, Joan Allen. That's the Joan. mom. Oh. I thought you said Jonah. No, the and that would be a guy? Jonah? Jonah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Um, and then. Uh, the fuck? William H. Macy's the dad. Okay. He was in Fargo. Yeah, I knew I recognized him. And then uh, Detroit's own Jeff Daniels, everybody. Chelsea, Michigan's own fucking Jeff Daniels, one of the greatest actors in the world. He's very he's very good in this. He is. He is very good. Um, And then there are other people. And there are artists who did amazing things in this movie, too. Like, there's a there's lot a of really lot good of art. really good things happening in this movie. Yeah. So, spoilers for everybody. I fucking loved this movie. I think this is the best movie I've seen this year. Wow. This would be my pick for the for the Oscars this year. Okay. I think this uh, this movie this movie may be as much of a technical achievement as uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit was in its in its era. And I think the just the blending of the technical with the human element of the story. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's not, um, it's not special effects for the sake of special effects. It's special effects in service of this very human story. I don't know. It's just the way the movie is ended, I think ruins the movie. Interesting. Like, I, I enjoyed a lot of the movie mm-hmm. up until 
the end and then i'm like why would you leave so many things just fucking open and hanging so donald knots uh-huh uh i think there's a very i think there's a bigger reason other than nostalgia that he is cast in this movie mm-hmm. um and i kind of wish they had done one other thing which i think would solidify my theory on this okay but obviously you mentioned it he is well known from it from old programs like this he was both on three's company mm-hmm. a 70s show and he was on a golden era like early 60s television show the andy griffith show right like that's probably what he's most well known for even today i think his character is a refugee from that world the tv dimension okay i think like like very clearly they get sucked into pleasantville they get sucked into the the TV and everything, I think there's, it's some kind of parallel world. There's the parallel world of the TV. There's the world of today. I think he's from that, one of the one of those shows or something, like a minor character or something like that, and he got out. And I think that's why he's happy at the end. He was looking for someone who would be able to change that world because he got out he saw the real world and he's like they are prisoners in there and he i think he's going one by one to show by show getting peop those people freed finding okay. finding uh people that can go into the shows that know the shows well enough and, and free them those are wonderful ideas that you shouldn't have to come up with to make it make sense I'm sorry. But it does that doesn't that make sense? And then the casting I, of him makes a lot of sense. I'm then. not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm saying if that's the movie's actual thought process, the movie should have something in there to actually say that. But some things don't need to be spelled out. They can be you know, they can just be whispers of things. Like if he drove away, if he like he le- like leans his head back and dri- drives away and stuff and then text appears under him as like he was an agent of, you know, whatever. Like, it ruins it. It ruins the magic of it. I think, like, his little smile is supposed to indicate that what happened is what he wanted to happen. Yes, what happened, I think, is what he wanted to happen. I think all this other backstory is a little too much of a leap. Okay. I mean, I think... And, and the thing that I wish they had done is his girlfriend that he find, that he gets in there, mm-hmm. I wish they had she had gone with him. Well, and I wish that his sister had not stayed... Or that, you know, some kind of consequence would have occurred when she didn't return. Well, okay, so that's for after the movie. Um, that's that's one that's, you know, Toby McGuire, Tope, Topson McGuire has some explaining to do to uh, his mom. And I don't know how he's going to explain that. His sister's just missing and his mom's going to be fucking brokenhearted. Yeah, and she's like, what's he going to do? Is he going to be like, hey, let me show you and like fucking suck her into the TV? Like, because he's still got the controller, and he says he can come visit her. So, I mean, I guess he can show his mom, but, like, I don't know. It's kind of, like, fucked up, but I, I suppose that's what he does. He shows the mom. I, I guess. It's a right. It's a choose-your-own-adventure ending. That's what this is. <sighs> um, and then, then, um, but, so, I don't mind her staying. I don't mind Reese Witherspoon staying, but the, like I said, I think... That's the perfect thing. She stays. 
And then, um, like, the girlfriend comes back. Then we see it can go both ways, basically. Sure, but... Because she, could she exist in this world? We don't know. And if she... And, like, that... The answer to that question make, gives more credence to that guy as a refugee from the old world. But, again, not a thing that has actually been any way stated in this movie. It just came from your head. <laughs> I mean, I know you're a writer. You're not going to fucking ruin this movie for me. It's You're not going to do I'm it. I'm not ruining it for you. I'm just saying you're, you're, you're filling in a lot of blanks, and that's a lot of work for an audience member. <laughs> um, one thing I will say is what happens to what happened to the people they replaced? Yeah, I wondered that too. That's another question. Like she's staying there is like when when Toby Maguire leaves, does the his counterpart come back? And if he comes back, does he not understand what the fuck just happened to his town? Like does he have to be educated as to what the fuck's going on? Um is Reese Witherspoon uh, condemning her other to die because like she's staying in stealing this, world. this girl's life. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't, that part I don't get. There, it's not a perfect movie. No. There are things that I don't get, but it's a tremendous, like, okay, so the cinematography is gorgeous. And there are some, like, when, when, uh, when Reese Witherspoon fucks that <laughs> the guy Skip, mm-hmm. played by, uh, I don't know, some actor named uh, uh, Polly Walker. Um, after they have sex the first time, she comes in, we see her walk in the door. It's framed, normal framing. It's normal two shot with the two of them. She starts running upstairs and he, he, he turns around. He's like, what did you do? And then we flip to her perspective and the camera's on a Dutch angle. And it just like, she, you know, she's up high, he's down low. So we get the, you know, he's feeling powerless and diminutive in this in this scene and we get the the dutch angle to just very subtly get the point across that things are just a little bit off now so the, this world has been thrown just a little bit off and it's perfect mm-hmm. and um it's and when we cut back to his to his point of view things are straight because he want he's trying to keep everything trying to hold everything straight again right we cut back to her, and it's Dutch angle again, and it's 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 beautiful. And there's a lot of subtle uh, camera movements and and uh, and things like that in in this movie. And of course, you know, not not to mention, of course, the the blending of the black and white and the color and and everything. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah, visually, it's it's a really amazing movie. It is a stunningly visual film. Yeah. Um. And like you said, the acting is the acting's fantastic. The acting's fantastic. Whoever cast this film deserves a raise because right? they, they every single person they don't they didn't miss with anybody. <laughs> Everyone's fantastic I, and so believable in their in their parts. I have other questions though, Mark. Okay, so let's let's yeah. So what are your other questions? When when Toby McGuire first gets there and he goes to work. Uh-huh. And his boss, what the fuck's his name again? I don't know, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Michigan's own Jeff Daniels. Is just wearing a hole in the counter of his soda shop uh-huh. uh, because he doesn't know what to do because he didn't show up on time because they yeah. just relive the same routine over and over and over. Sure. Like, 
it seemed almost like like NPC characters, right? Like, like in video games, the characters that don't do anything, the ones that you talk to, like in a role playing game. Okay, all right. I'm sorry, I forget you're not a fucking geek. Yeah, but like one of your Final Fantasies or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. It just it seems like because it's a it's a TV show. There's not much substance behind anything, right? Yeah. But they're actual people. Yes. It's like they didn't grow up. I mean, like the the parents they never had sex. Yeah, but the mom, they have kids. The mom asks what sex is. Right. So, like, how real is this world really? I mean, it's like I guess it becomes real as it goes on, but I don't think it was real to start with. No, I do. I think so. There are um, there are other movies and books, a lot of books, more than movies about this kind of thing, which is basically like people who are like create like creative types, like writers. They always, well, not always, but I think pretty much anyone that's ever written seriously and for a long time has thought to themselves, what is the nature of reality? What makes one world real and another one not real? Why is our world real and this world that I'm creating not real? And most creative people, most writers and and things like that, think of the worlds they're creating as real. I mean, not the same as our reality, but real in a way, at least while you're writing it. You can't, if you don't think of it as real while you're writing it, then it, it it's the writing sucks. Like, you have to have that investment into it. Um, and so there's a lot of books about when, once something's created, it becomes real and alive. And you can visit there and stuff like that. Like that movie, Cool World. Yeah. Like there, there are things like that where it's like, oh, this is fiction in our world. But if you can actually go down there, it's really real because you created it. Um, and so I think that's what this is. There are, I asked the question after we, we got out of the movie and everything. Like, it's kind of weird because actors played these people on the shows and then they went off to do other things. They're not these characters, so they're not... Like, these aren't the actors, but they're the characters that were created, essentially. So what I think is, is they're all... They're, they're, all, they're prisoners. They have been created. They Not like were created, not like birthed, you know. They came fully formed, written, you know, and everything. And they only know what they need to for the show... And everything, and, and they fought, they have those routines and stuff. Like, like they're imprisoned, essentially. And their coming there has freed them. So, like, Don Knotts, as the character, freed himself somehow. Or somebody else freed him. They could make another movie about the backstory of all this. But I don't think that's the point of the movie. If we sit here and we deconstruct everything, we'll find holes. We can pull at threads. And unravel a lot of this movie. But it starts with Once Upon a Time, I think, for a reason. It's a fantasy. It's it's a fairy tale. It's you just accept it for what it is. The the point of the movie isn't 
let's answer all these questions. The point of the movie is the montage of them at school hearing about how fucking shit our world is. Yeah. Global warming, crime, uh, you know, fucking AIDS, all this stuff. Like, that's all they're hearing in school. And it's being beaten over their heads. And it's it's the point of young people being like, hey, your world's fucked. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And the escapism of, oh, this was such an ideal time, the 50s. Life now sucks. Back in the past was awesome. And then they go back there, and guess what? It wasn't awesome. No. It was shitty then, too. <laughs> and actually, it shows an appreciation for all all we've accomplished and where we've come from that time. Because the entirety of the movie is the maturation of all these characters. Yeah. And, and their, their arc from nobody into brilliant artists or like you know passion like emotion and that's that's what sets off the colors is emotion sometimes it's anger sometimes it's sadness or longing like with william h macy sometimes it's love sex you know whatever but like actual passion feeling something not just being a robot not just being an automaton and I think that's what the movie's about. The movie is about, don't just fucking listen to all this doom and gloom and sit there and turn off your emotions and be like, I can't do anything and whatever. Like, be an emotional being. We are we are emotional beings, and we, you know, need to, to show that. Yeah. I mean, for sure, there's definitely beauty in the message of the movie. Yeah. It just no. I know. I know there. I know there. Are, me. I know there are things we could poke hole, holes in, and I know that's what we do here sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I feel like to answer that question that you asked about the what'd you call it NPC? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they're real people. They're just imprisoned in this routine until they're saved. Well, like, okay, in the TV show, right? Mm-hmm. The girl that Toby McGuire starts dating yeah. was supposed to be with Whitey. Yeah. But she didn't like Whitey. Not once Toby McGuire showed up, no. But do you think she liked Whitey otherwise then? Because he seemed like such an asshole and she didn't really like him. Like, I don't no, know. No, she probably didn't like him. But that was her that was her path. You know, that was what she was supposed to do because that's how it was written in the show. So she just had so they have no free will. They, or they had they no free will. They didn't, and now they do. Because Reese Witherspoon pretty much raped a teenage boy. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess. I mean, he didn't even know what was happening. He thought he was ill. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> disturbing to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I understand that. A lot of the sex stuff in this movie was a little much. It's a little over the top. It's not for kids. No, and we made the mistake of uh, bringing my niece and nephew to the theater. But it wasn't that bad. No, but it was... There's no nudity. Uncomfortable. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, at the very they end of the... It, though. Yeah. The, not the sex, the movie. Yeah. At the very end of the movie in the court scene, mm-hmm. when Tommy McGuire is talking to the dad... Yeah. And he's like, isn't she beautiful? Don't you want to tell her and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, that seemed kind of mean... 
Because she's already moved on to somebody else, and he's, like, making the dad admit that he loves her. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's like he's making him realize the feelings that he has for his wife, who is no longer his wife. But that's the thing is, like, there, you know, there's pain in in that, too. There's pain and pleasure. It's 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 everything. Like, they have to take the good with the bad when... When they get free will, some people turn out to be assholes right. and throw rocks through windows and, and try you know. to gang rape a woman. Exactly. And that sucks. But like the the prison of the 50s segregation and like all that stuff, because I mean, obviously, there's a lot of that. It's not yeah. it's not thinly veiled. No, um, not at all. The prison of that stuff wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth the security or, or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. um, because for the white people, I mean, obviously there was no security for black people, but um, the point, the you know, part of the point of the movie is that that's not worth it. Like being not free, it's not worth any of uh, any kind of that kind of sacrifice. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, uh, so you have to take the good with the bad. The now the the ending there confuses me, and that's the one thing that really confuses me, and I want to know what you, what you think of that. So, Joan Allen is on the park bench at the end. It's the very last thing that happens in the movie. And she looks over to her right, and it's William H. Macy. And they're laughing. They're all in color. Their whole world's in color. And she's like, "What's?" she says, what's going to happen now? And he says, I don't know. And we go back to her face, and she's smiling. She looks back again, and it's uh, fucking Jeff Daniels. Mm-hmm. He has morphed into Jeff Daniels, and he goes, I guess I don't either. What does that mean? Like, what? what's happening there? I do not know. Have um, they merged into one entity? Um, is it like these are the two paths she could take? Now she has a choice? Like, it's like a woman empowerment thing where it's like she would have just been chained to her husband before. And it's like, now she gets to choose. Who, who does she really want to be with? You know, like, mm-hmm. is it supposed to be symbolic of that? Or is it supposed to just be like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't get that. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense to me either. Um, I kind of feel like, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, it's the she has a choice thing. Um. I didn't, I mean, like, I feel like they could have given us something, something I, that would be clear, but nothing about the end of this movie is clear. I wish, I wish they had, yeah, I wish they had been a little more definitive with that. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I guess it would have been kind of schmaltzy or cheesy or whatever to throw William H. Macy, just another woman. You know, I mean, like, she's fallen in love with him, like, whatever, Jeff Daniels, and uh, maybe there was, like, a woman that was supposed to marry Jeff Daniels that was on the show or whatever, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I was I was going to go on a date with him or whatever, but, like, and, and then those two fall in love mm. or whatever, like, it would have been kind of stupid and schmaltzy and just contrived for a happy ending, but they could have done that so we don't feel bad for William H. Macy. I wish, and I feel like maybe this is what they're hinting at, I wish the movie had the balls to just be like, all three of us in a relationship now. <laughs> Joan Allen just gets both. It's like a, it's like a fucking Mormon 
marriage, but it's uh, it's the woman with with uh, more than one guy. I don't think she'll be with her husband. Truly, like she she I, fell like she actually fell in love. She was with her husband just to be with him. Right. She fell in love with with uh, Jeff Daniels. Yeah, there was no no passion in that relationship at all. With the yeah. husband. Like when she learned about sex, she's like, well, your father would never do that. And even before she knew sex, she was eyeing uh, the other guy. Jeff Daniels, yeah. Like every time they saw each other, they were like drooling. It's like. And that's the other thing, too. Imagine, like, um, imagine the prison that they were in. If they ever shared a scene, maybe they never even shared scenes. I don't know. But if they ever shared a scene or if they ever passed each other on the street or whatever, you know, they. And they just like stared at each other, and then she just has to go home to her husband because yeah. that's because that's what's supposed to happen. Also, Don Knotts seems to indicate at one point in the movie that uh, what they're doing, the changes they're making, are being reflected in the TV show. Because <laughs> he's like, I don't like what I'm seeing on these reruns, but um, it's clear that he can just see what's going on mm-hmm. because when they come back, like the announcer is like, that was the first hour of the fucking Pleasantville marathon or whatever. That's uh, exactly what I said. Yeah. It's like uh, fucking uh, gather the kids, everybody watch this shit. Um, <laughs> watch these ads. Um, but like, so it's clear that the show's not actually changing, which makes sense. The show as filmed and everything is the facade the world underneath that is what was created by the creative types that created this show. Mm-hmm. But it's underneath the facades so of the outside world doesn't see it. Well, yeah, I mean, the husband and wife seem happy in the show, I'm sure. Yeah. They did not seem happy in the movie. No, they're not having sex either. No. Either way, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, what, any other questions? No, I think that was probably it. So... You really wouldn't recommend it, huh? No, I would. I never said I wouldn't. Okay. I just said that I have questions and I found it confusing. Um, but, I mean, like, it's a beautiful movie. There are and loose ends. There's a ton of, like, fantastic scenes and fantastic acting, and it makes you think. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but I'm just, I'm not in love with it like you are because I feel like there was too many loose ends. Yeah, there's there's loose ends in the movie. And it's one of those movies where I feel like I might have to watch it a few times to fully understand everything that's going on. Yeah. Because I think there are, there is definitely stuff, like I said, that's overt about racism, about sexism, about life, how it used to be, and everything. And the revolution like i think i don't think it's uh, i don't think it's coincidence that sex is the first thing that happens and like the sexual revolution happens and then the music revolution happens yeah and then eventually drugs would probably come into fucking play yeah. too like um because that's the 60s like right. a lot of this a lot of this movie is basically just a retelling of the 60s. Yeah, moving from the 50s to the 60s. Yeah. The one thing that that was out of place, if we're looking at that, that was the book burning. That was a lot further back in history. Well, yeah, that was more of the 40s and stuff. But, uh, like, censorship in general, I guess, from the 50s. like That was a weird thing, too, that the books were fucking empty. Like, how is this a real world when they're literally living in a set with empty books? I mean, it's so weird. Well, it's, like I said, they didn't, they never did anything that 
they how do I how do I explain it? They're like they were templates, but conscious, like given consciousness. But they were like templates, and they knew just all whatever the creatives poured into their character. I wonder if they needed food. Like, how real and alive are they? they those to- the toilets didn't exist. Yeah, that's another thing. There are no toilets. How did they handle that? They show that there are no toilets, and it's a problem for a second, and then it's just well, whatever. We'll just gloss over that for the rest of the show. Well, there's no problem. She just she was going to go into the toilet. I don't know if she was actually going to go to the bathroom, but like, at some point she had to. Apparently not, though. Like because, oh. like I, I'm pretty sure in that world people didn't have to do that. Oh, weird. Yeah, they did have to take baths. We know that they. <laughs> <laughs> Joan Allen comes so hard that a uh, fucking uh, bush like starts burning. <laughs> How's that for a metaphor? Right. <laughs> she had a burning bush, everybody. Ah. Um. Yeah. Seriously, I wonder how trimmed they are. Oh my god. Well, be, you know, I mean, that's not a one of the things. <laughs> but yeah, like you, you wonder, like, are they smooth down there, like action men? But obviously, they aren't. No, obviously not. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, that is the episode, though. Uh, I fantastic, like I said, fantastic movie. To me, the so in hindsight, you know, fridge logic, as they call it, you're watching the movie, and then uh, and then later when you go go to the fridge, you're like, uh, hmm, wait a second, how did they do that? Like you know, like because yeah. you're caught up into it. So fridge logic, you can fridge logic the hell out of this movie, I'm sure. But um, just from being immersed in it and everything, like uh, just a beautiful film to me the best movie of the year definitely go see it yeah i I recommend seeing it as well all right well uh carol why don't you recommend some other things for the people to do you can write us at late fee 1994 at awol.com check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com and share the tapes with your friends all right we'll see you next time bye bye